Will you please stand in body or in spirit for the reading of the gospel? This is from Luke chapter 6, beginning in verse 17. Jesus came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea, Jerusalem, and the coast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him and be healed of their diseases, and those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all in the crowd were trying to touch him, for power came out from him and healed all of them. Then he looked at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven, for that is what the ancest their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. This is the gospel of grace. Thanks, Thanks be to God. So these verses are Luke's version of the Beatitudes. More commonly referenced are the Beatitudes found in Matthew chapter 5 as part of Jesus' well-known Sermon on the Mount. Luke's version is a little different from Matthew's. First of all, Matthew's version focuses exclusively on blessing. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the merciful, blessed are the pure in heart, blessed are, blessed are, blessed are. Luke's version also includes the woe to yous. Woe to the rich, woe to the full, woe to the laughing and the well-liked. More on woes later. <laughs> Secondly, Luke's version is referred to as the Sermon on the Plain rather than the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew, Jesus stands on a mountain, and you can sort of imagine him climbing upwards so that the masses can see and hear him more clearly. But in Luke, Jesus starts on the mountain in verse 12 to spend the night in prayer and call his disciples. But after that, Luke clearly writes, he came down with them and stood on a level place. Generally speaking, biblical writers are not verbose when it comes to details, with perhaps the singular exception of the tabernacle building instructions in Exodus. <laughs> biblical writers are sparse on detail. You hear very little about scenery or setting, about the character's inner thoughts and feelings. The writers report only what they deem necessary for communicating the story. And so, when you come across a seemingly mundane detail, such as 
he stood on a level place, chances are the detail is significant. In Luke's account of the Beatitudes, before Jesus ever opens his mouth to speak, he first mingles with the people, healing them and curing them of troubling spirits. Luke says everyone in the crowd was trying to touch him, for power came out from him and healed them. That is, it was a very physical and close-up experience. Jesus did not stand above them, delivering a message from on high. He communicated with his body that he was with them. He stood among them, right beside them, literally touching their woundedness and their pain. And what he had to say to them arose from this experience being with them on level ground. I love the way the artist captures this scene in the image on the front of your worship guide. The piece is labeled Sermon on the Mount, but I think it is actually depicting the Sermon on the Plain from the Gospel of Luke. All around Jesus are hurting people. Looking at this particular image, it takes a second to find Jesus in the crowd. Some of the lame and injured aren't even facing him. They look to still be focused on their own suffering. Who knows if they are even hearing his words or just waiting for him to reach them and touch them. In a way, it doesn't matter if they hear the words. They are about to experience the truth of his message in their bodies. Imagine if our own life message to the world was so palpable, it didn't matter if people listened when we talked or not, because what we had to say was so evident in how we lived, the message came through regardless. I think sometimes in our attempt to do good for humanity, we speak from the mountaintop rather than the plain. When maybe the plain is where Jesus is calling us to stand. We might believe ourselves to have an elevated point of view up on the mountain. And so we share opinions out of a self-righteous sense of superiority. But the wisdom of Jesus arises not from some detached vantage point up near the clouds as a scholar or a reader of books and essays. Rather, Jesus' wisdom bubbles up from his experience among the people. Now, he did spend the night before his sermon in prayer on the mountain, which is important. But he coupled private prayer with the prayer of solidarity and withness, the kind of prayer that has hands and feet to it. He could not gain knowledge on a mountaintop alone. He had to come down from the mountain and look people in the eye and encounter their suffering face to face. You might say this foreshadows the transfiguration, where Jesus will come down from the shiny mountaintop experience into the dark valley known as the cross. It is from the vantage point of the plain that the Lucan Jesus offers up not only words of blessing, but also words of woe. Perhaps among the impoverished, 
the dangers of wealth are all the more apparent. Among the nameless and unknown, fame and fortune are revealed for their emptiness. It is a perspective you cannot see standing on top of people. It's something you can only know when walking beside them. Jesus has such words of hope for those who are poor, those who are hungry, those who are mourning, those who are excluded, reviled, or defamed. And we know by his actions that these words are not empty. He literally attends to the poor and feeds the hungry and heals the brokenhearted and includes the excluded. His words for those who appear to be doing well in life, however, are startling, starting, his words are harsh. <laughs> and it startles you. That's what I was trying to <laughs> But is he really being fair? Woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. What is the meaning of this upside-down way of thinking? Are you and I in trouble for laughing? Perhaps the better question is, at what and at whom do we laugh? To so many people, Jesus' words must have sounded like nonsense. Blessed are the poor, doomed are the rich. What does that even mean, really? Well, I'm not entirely sure what it means, but I do have some hunches. One way of understanding Jesus' words that came to mind is this little book that I own. It is a picture book for grown-ups called Hope for the Flowers. And I'd like to re read the beginning of it to you. I'll come down here so you can see the pictures. Okay. <laughs> Once upon a time, a tiny striped caterpillar burst from the egg which had been home for so long. Hello, world, he said. It sure is bright out here in the sun. I'm hungry, he thought, and straight away began to eat the leaf he was born on. And he ate another leaf, and another, and another, and got bigger and bigger and bigger. Until one day he stopped eating and thought, there must be more to life than just eating and getting bigger. It's getting dull. So Stripe crawled down from the friendly tree which had shaded him and fed him. He was seeking more. There were all sorts of new things to find. Grass and dirt and holes and tiny bugs. Each fascinated him, but nothing satisfied him. When he came across some other crawlers like himself, he was especially excited. But they were so busy eating they had no time to talk, just as Stripe had been. They don't know any more about life than I do, he sighed. Then one day, Stripe saw some crawlers really crawling. He looked around for their goal and saw a great column rising high up in the air. When he joined them, he discovered. The column was a pile of squirming, pushing caterpillars, a caterpillar pillar. It appeared 
heard that the caterpillars were trying to reach the top, but the top was so lost in the clouds that Stripe had no idea what was there. He felt new excitement like, like sap rising up in the spring. Maybe I'll find what I'm looking for. Full of agitation, Stripe asked a fellow crawler, do you know what's happening? I just arrived myself, said the other. Nobody has time to explain. They're so busy trying to get wherever they're going. But what's at the top, continued Stripe. No one knows that either, but it must be awfully good because everybody's rushing there. Goodbye, I've no more time. He plunged into the pile. <coughs> Stripe's head was bursting with the new drive. He couldn't get his thoughts together. Every second, another crawler passed him and disappeared into the pillar. There's only one thing to do. He pushed himself in. The first moments on the pile were a shock. Stripe was pushed and kicked and stepped on from every direction. It was climb or be climbed. Stripe climbed. No more fellow caterpillars on Stripe's pile. They became only threats and obstacles which he turned into steps and opportunities. This single-minded approach really helped and Stripe felt he was getting much higher. But some days it seemed he could manage only to keep his place. It was especially then that an anxious shadow nagged inside. What's at the top, it whispered. Where are we going? One on one exasperated day, Stripe couldn't stand it any longer, and he yelled back, I don't know, but there's no time to think about it. A little yellow caterpillar he was crawling over gasped. What did you say? I was just talking to myself, Stripe mumbled. It really isn't important. I was just wondering where we're going. You know, Yellow said, I was wondering that myself. But since there's no way to find out, I decided it wasn't important. She blushed at, blushed at how silly this sounded, quickly adding, no one else seems to worry about where we're going, so it must be good. But she blushed again. How far are we from the top? Stripe answered gravely, since we're not at the bottom and not at the top, we must be in the middle. Oh, said Yellow, and they both began climbing again. But now Stripe had a new feeling. He felt bad. He had lost his single-mindedness. How can I step on someone I've just talked to? Stripe avoided Yellow as much as possible, but one day there she was, blocking the only way up. Well, I guess it's you or me, he said, and he stepped squarely on her head. Something in the way Yellow looked at him made him feel just awful about himself. Like, no matter what it is up there, it just isn't worth it. Stripe called off Yellow and whispered, I'm sorry. And Yellow began to cry. I could stand this life hoping in what was ahead until I met you talking to yourself that day. Since then, my heart just hasn't been in it. But I don't know what to do. I didn't know how badly I felt about life until then. Now when you look at me so kindly, I know for sure that I don't like this life. 
I just want to do something like crawl with you and nibble grass. Stripe's heart leapt inside. Everything looked different. The pillar made no sense at all. I would like that too, he whispered. But this meant giving up the climb, a hard decision. Yellow deer, maybe we're close to the top. Maybe if we help each other, we can get there quickly. Maybe, she said. But they both knew this wasn't what they wanted most. Let's go down, Yellow said. Okay. And they stopped climbing. They clung to each other as masses of caterpillars crawled over them. The air was terrible, but they were happy with each other and made a big ball so nobody could step in their eyes and stomachs. They did nothing at all for what seemed a long time. Suddenly, they didn't feel anything crawling over them. They unrolled and opened their eyes. They were at the side of the caterpillar pillar. So there's really a lot more to the story. Um, <laughs> which you're going to have to read on your own later. I don't want to give anything away, but if you know anything about caterpillars, you might be able to make an educated guess about the ending. But I will tell you that at one point in the story, Stripe and Yellow separate, which is, of course, heart-wrenching. Stripe returns to the caterpillar pillar, only to discover after a very hard climb that at the top of the pillar, there is nothing at all. He would be distraught to have discovered nothing. Only right about then, something flies up to him, a yellow butterfly. He begins to crawl back down the caterpillar pillar, and as he goes, he tries his best to warn the other caterpillars that there is nothing up there but no one believes him. Because why would everyone be trying so hard if there wasn't anything worth climbing for? He tries to tell them, you have a butterfly inside of you if you would just stop climbing. But clearly, not climbing is for losers, so no one believes him. <coughs> this is what is meant, I think, by Jesus' Sermon on the Plain. Woe to you, who have climbed and shoved your way to the top, for you will find yourselves empty and alone. Blessed are you who roll to the bottom and face what feels like death, for you shall soon fly. Am I making any sense? Does it all seem too absurd to be true? Did I really just read you a story about caterpillars? Yes, you guys, this makes perfect sense unless you're still shoving and climbing and pushing your way to the top, whatever the top means to you. Then Jesus' words are nonsense and even offensive. But if you stand on a level place and listen, you will hear the blessing, the invitation, the promise that you can fly. Blessed are you who pause from the mad dash to listen. Blessed are you who feel pain, your own and the pain of others. Blessed are you who are stepped on, squashed and ignored. 
Blessed are you who make friends, not stepping stones. Blessed are you who fall down. And blessed are you who fail, for there is more to life than success. Woe to you who single-mindedly climb, climb, climb. Woe to you who are unaware that you stand on the backs of slave labor and fill your houses with the products of sweatshops. Woe to you who use people for your gain. Woe to you who laugh at prejudiced jokes or who smile along even though you don't think it is funny. Woe to you who value popularity over integrity, who network more often than you love your neighbor. Blessed are you who stand on the plane, who learn from the outcasts rather than lecture them. Blessed are you when you suffer for doing good, for Christ himself walks beside you. I don't know about you, but when I hear these words, it turns out I am in two categories. I am blessed and I am woed. I made that word up, but the point is, I don't fall neatly into either group. So as someone who stands in two places, one that is privileged and one that is pained, I give you permission to listen to Jesus and hear what it is you most need to hear today. Maybe it is the word of blessing that your soul needs today. Maybe it is the word of challenge. I wouldn't know. I'm not in your shoes. All I know is that both messages are there and that the Spirit has something to say to you. And if you are open, you will hear it. This I know. Blessed are those who listen. Amen. Amen.